Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Long Run Podcast Series, episode number two. I am your host, Dominic Santina, and the way I have decided to structure this podcast series, each episode is going to be in three different parts. Just like if you were to go for a run or maybe a workout, the way you start your workout or run, usually you start with a little bit of a warm-up that could be stretching, a nice easy couple miles just to kind of get your legs loose, however you do your warm-up. So the warm-up is going to start our podcast series or each episode of the podcast, and then we'll move into the workout, which will be the bulk of what I'm going to talk about. So just like your workout is usually the longer part of your run or your harder part of your training session, that's going to be the more in-depth part of our podcast episode as well. And then the end of the podcast will always wrap up. We'll end it with the cool down. So just like when you're done with your workout or your long run, you might add another mile on or another two miles, however long you want to make it usually have something to cool down with. Maybe that's more stretching, maybe that's more mileage. Whatever you do, that's how we're going to wrap up our podcast as well. So you're going to have the warm-up, the workout, and the cool-down, three parts of these podcast episodes. And we're going to start this episode with it being the first full episode of this series. We're going to talk about myself a little bit and what kind of gives me some credibility and credentials to host this podcast series. I am currently located in Boyne City, Michigan. It's about 45 minutes south of the Mackinac Bridge. It's a small little town on Lake Charlevoix. If you're not familiar with Boyne City, also the towns of Petoskey and Charlevoix nearby. And we're about an hour and a half north of Traverse City. So some bigger cities to give you a little bit of a idea of where Boyne City is located. I graduated from Boyne City in 2016. I ran track while I was in middle school. That's where I found my love of running. And then in high school, my sophomore year, I made the transition from football and soccer to cross country, where I ran my sophomore, junior, and senior year. I made the transition my junior year from baseball to track. So I really became a dedicated runner my junior and senior year of high school. And then my the summer going into my senior year, I went to a cross-country camp, really, really found a strong passion for running and started dedicating myself towards it. And that's when I came across a scholarship offer from Rochester University, which is a small NAIA school located in Rochester Hills, just down the road from the Division I school of Oakland University. It's a small liberal arts college in Rochester Hills. They were looking to restart their men's cross-country program, which had kind of gone dormant since the mid-90s. And I signed on with one other guy, and really through my four years, which just ended here in December, I ran my fourth cross-country season, but graduated before I could run this track season. It was a two- to three-man show for the most part. The team, luckily, now is on the up-and-up. 
getting more recruits and starting to build the program. We had a culture change and coaching change going into my junior year. Alex Wilson is now the head coach there and he's really built this program into what it is and at that point my training took a significant turn from running about 30 to 35 miles a week till when I graduated in December I was up to almost 70 miles a week so my mileage almost doubled in the time I was there and believe me college cross country is tough like they say and it is taxing but I still find my joy and passion for running and I love talking about running and I have started to find that I love watching running too and following what's going on in the running community and that's my goal here with the opportunity that the Believe Podcast Network has given to me is share my joy and just the passion of running with all of you out there listening and really talk about what's going on in the running community. I want to hear thoughts from listeners as well maybe some topics you want to talk about or hear about, and just kind of talk about what's going on around the world. With that being said, we had a massive race this last Saturday. That was February 29th. It is currently Monday, March 2nd, as I record this podcast. But just this last Saturday, February 29th, on the leap day in Atlanta, Georgia, around 12 p.m., we had the Olympic Marathon Trials here for the United States. It was a three-lap, approximate eight-mile course that they did through downtown Atlanta. And then they had a 2.2-mile loop to finish the course. The men's side, they started off about 11 minutes before the girls took off. Not as heavily packed with the talent pool that the women had. But it was still competitive, and there were still surprises on both sides. We'll get into what happened in the women's race here in a minute. We're going to start with the men since they started first. Your overall winner was Galen Rupp. Really no surprise there. Galen came in as the favorite. He's had a lot of storylines behind him, though, in the last couple years. I mean, it was going to be interesting to see what Galen had in store for this Olympic trials I was rooting for him. He's had a lot. He's had a big injury, and this whole Alberto Salazar dilemma has really kind of had a haze over him and what he's done. So it was good to see Galen get out there and really, you know, kind of silence the doubters. And he he ran a very smart race, a very strategic race. He stayed with the lead pack early on. He was kind of in in the pack. He was back a little bit, but as the race wore on, he made his way up and. When it counted, he hung with that lead pack, and when he felt good enough, he took off. You know, I was watching the marathon, and it's all, the way the United States does it, it's really interesting. It's not based on a set time. It's just on place. So top three, if you didn't know, for the Olympic qualifying for the marathon, you have to finish top three. So three women and three men go to the Olympics for Team USA, and they have this one race, which was set in Atlanta, to determine that. Galen He easily probably could have tried to push harder and maybe run a faster time. He finished in 2.09.20, so just under 2 hours and 10 minutes. You know, and as I was watching the race, mentally as a runner myself, if I was put in that position, this is one of those races that you're not really concerned with your time. If it's a PR or a personal record, then that's great, but 
if everyone's running a slower pace, there's no reason for you to go out and and exert yourself too hard and maybe cost yourself a spot by pushing for that PR when you're running for place. And I know, especially in track, in college, I learned this a lot. Sometimes every race is not about the clock. It's position-wise and getting points or getting getting that place you want to finish, you know, trying to finish in that certain spot. So for this race, it really was just trying to hang with everybody, find out what they're going to do, and then build your race plan off of that. And we really saw it with Galen. And, you know, he hit about the half half marathon distance, 13. And I think it really wasn't until about the 15th mile that Galen really started exerting himself and pulling away from the rest of the men in that race and and taking control. And once he decided to go, he was gone. He took command, never really looked back, and held on. And as I mentioned, he was the early favorite. He had a bad injury just a couple years ago, but able to come back from that. He was able to secure his fourth Olympic appearance. He won bronze at the Rio Olympics. That was only his second marathon. His first was the Olympic qualifier that year, and that's something special we'll hit on in just a minute because something else happened this weekend that symbolizes just that same thing that Galen Rock did. And I'll, I'll draw a comparison to that and maybe could kind of foreshadow a possibility in the Olympic marathon. Second place in the men's race was Jacob Riley. He ran a 2.10.02, so 42 seconds behind Galen Rupp. So a close finish for Jacob Riley. And this, Jacob Riley has had quite the story. I mean, you know, we talk about Galen having the Alberto Salazar and the injuries. Jacob Riley, even, even more honorable of a story and a real underdog story for him the he was a brooks runner hansen's brooks runner in rochester hills right where i ran college same trail desi linden was also on that team a lot of runners that have ran for hansen's but he ended up leaving the hansen's brooks team and he made some major changes in his life he ended up moving to colorado after he got a divorce he had a achilles surgery he had it evaluated when he got to colorado and really they had to do some surgery to repair some stuff and while he was in Colorado, he also decided to pursue a master's degree in mechanical engineering. And I thought it was a very well done piece by NBC Sports during the marathon. They had a little feature on Jacob Riley and how while he's been earning his master's degree, he's also been teaching at the university as well. And he's really used what he's been teaching to implement into his running and kind of using the two to come together and, and show his passion for running, but also use it in teaching and vice versa. And a really cool spot. But I read an article this morning, uh, I think it was by NBC Sports as well, talking about how he had to work his way back up from really a 5K and just try to get that comfortability back with after having his surgery and the rehab and and feeling good again and man what a what a relief it's got to be for him to come out and run a 210 you know you're only 40 seconds off of the favorite of Galen Rupp you're making your first Olympic appearance that's that's awesome anytime you can make the Olympics no matter how you get there is incredible and so this really is like the comeback story for him and we'll just have to see how he can parlay this into the Olympics and see if he can build upon it. 
And then, of course, your third place finisher was Abdi Abdurrahman. He finished in third with a 2.10.03. So just, and if you didn't see the marathon finish, unbelievable. You had Jacob Riley and Abdi battling it out. And then you also had Leonard Carrer in fourth. The three of them were neck and neck. Carrer caught them as they were coming down the last little, I think it was less than a tenth of a mile. The three of them battling it out for second, third, and fourth. And they finished within four seconds of each other. Jacob Riley was able to push and get that second spot. Abdi hanged on for third. And then Leonard there in fourth. Just a heartbreaking finish for him. Uh, they, I tried looking up you know, if he had any thoughts on the race, on what happened or anything. He, he left the whole, the whole event without talking to any media. And... You know, it's a tough breaking, it's a heartbreaking experience, especially when you're that close. I mean, you're three seconds from making the Olympic team, let alone being the second finisher just four seconds away and watching them cross in front of you. Understandably, he did not talk to any media. Would have liked to get his thoughts on the race. We'll get into it later with more of the women, just about the course conditions and everything, but would have liked to know what he had to think what his thoughts on the event were, and and just stuff like that. Did have a couple other notable finishers, kind of surprise. One surprisingly, one not so surprisingly. We had Bernard Legat, who finished in 18th place. He finished in a time of 2.14.23. So not a bad time, but a little ways off the leaders. He was... A full five minutes behind Galen. Four minutes and 20 seconds behind the third place spot. He did take to social media though to kind of pose a few thoughts. I'm not going to read all of these comments from some of the runners that I have found. But I will read you bits and pieces of their social media posts. All of these I found on Instagram. So if you want to read more of their comments, you can go and find them. This is Legat. His Instagram handle is Legat1500. He wanted to say first, congrats to Team USA's marathon squad. He wanted to let everyone know that he gave everything he had going into this marathon and trained like he had never, he trained like he never had before. And he felt pretty good. He wanted to thank his family and everyone for supporting him. And I just said, I'll mention some of the other ones. He just said that Hillanta course lived up to its name. We'll talk about that a little bit more later on. Got also mentioned that miles 15 through 24 were monsters and knocked him down quite a few times. There was, I believe, one cool moment. Yeah, it was with Legat. He wanted to, he was trying for his sixth marathon team, but he said, I'm reading through his post right here, he said, I want to give a shout out to Dan Lennon 1 on, in, on Instagram for great sportsmanship. Another runner had taken Legat's bottle ahead of him and he was struggling, but Dan offered to share his bottle with Legat, although we were fighting for three spots. We were all teammates on the same team, followed by the American flag emoji. So very cool moment there, and it just shows, even in the heat of competition, that you can still have good sportsmanship and really help others out. And that's what I love about the sport of running is you can be the most competitive people. I mean, you can 
look at any two competitors and really they could be battling it out, but there's still also the kindness and the compassion there to help people out when they're struggling. Everyone knows 26.2 miles is the most brutal race. I wouldn't say all time, but one of the most brutal races you can run. And so when someone's struggling just to accomplish the feat and really for Legat who finished in 18th place, you know you're out of that top three spots for the Olympics. Now it's just a matter of finishing the race. So for those two to come together and help each other out is an awesome story. I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that on the podcast because anytime you hear stuff like that, it's a great thing to hear. And it's an honor to be there at the Olympic trials and to run there. And so for those two to help each other out and just finish the race is awesome. Another finisher, big surprise, this was the real surprise of the men's race, was Jared Ward. He finished in 27th place in a time of 2.15.55. He did also take to Instagram and social media on his thoughts, as a lot of the professional runners did. This one was a little bit shorter than Legat. Just going to sum it up a little bit here. Jared Ward on Instagram is jwardy 21 And I I like what he said here at the beginning. I'll just read you the beginning, but it says, Tough one today, but you know there are worse things in this world than bad races. I finished the race for my family and for the friends of Atlanta. And that really sums it up. You know, I talked to a few people, and there's a lot of times when you're not feeling good in a race, especially these professional runners will drop out. But to say you were in the Olympic trials, as I just mentioned, and to finish... Still, really, is an honor, even if you weren't, sh- even if you didn't get the goal of what you were shooting for, which was the top three. But that was the real surprise there for the men's group was Jared Ward finishing in twenty seventh place. That only hits the iceberg for what happened in the women's race. Elfine Tulamuk, I believe that's how you pronounce it, was your winner in the women's race. She finished in two twenty seven twenty three. She qualified for her first appearance in the Olympics, and it was the smallest margin of victory ever in the Olympic trials as she beat Molly Seidel by a time of 8 seconds, 7 seconds, 8 seconds. So it's the smallest margin of victory in Olympic qualifying. She was seated, Talamaka was seated 10th out of 510. That's pretty impressive. They, I know they mentioned it quite a few times on the broadcast about how many women's racers there were in the Olympic qualifier. Kind of cool story. She was an Uber driver and crocheting while sidelined by injuries the last two years. She's one of 31 siblings when she came here 10 years ago. And she was quoted in one of the articles after the races saying she didn't even know if she wanted to stay here. But she earned a public health degree from Wichita State in 2013. She was a nine-time All-American for the Wichita State Shockers. She mentions that when she decided to become a U.S. citizen, that's when she... Realized how fortunate it was, and she became a citizen in April of 2016. And her first race back from injury, as she is a she had a stress fracture last June, so that's June of 2019. So her first race back is what qualified her for the Olympic qualification, 
and she placed 12th in the New York City Marathon. So that's where she earned her spot into the Olympic qualifying race, and she made the most of it. Like we said, she was seated 10th. She comes out as number one on the day, narrowly beating out our number two finisher, Molly Seidel, who finished in 227.31. And I mentioned earlier on in the podcast about how Galen Rupp qualified for the 2012 Rio Olympics. And it was his first marathon was the Olympic qualifying marathon that then got him to the Olympics in Rio, and then he got a bronze. While possibly running on that same kind of basis is Molly Seidel. This was her first marathon. She just graduated from the University of Notre Dame, and she's going to the Olympics. Coming across in second, Reading, I took this from, I believe, the NBC, it was NBC, writing another article about the finishers. This is a cool little story. She, in fourth grade, had an assignment, and I know a lot of us have probably had this assignment as kids, of what you want to do when you get older. She wrote on her assignment in fourth grade, she wanted to make it to the Olympics and win a gold medal. Well, step one is done. She's now on the Olympic marathon team. Uh, A bigger goal is now set to go get that gold medal. She earned NCAA indoor, outdoor, and cross-country titles during her time at Notre Dame. Uh, There is one thing that has kind of come to the front, especially during the marathon as she was running in there, is they mentioned that she has an eating disorder. And she actually, something I read earlier was she got treated for her eating disorder just three and a half hours before running that marathon. She had broke a vertebrae back in 2015, actually, from losing so much weight. I'm just kind of skimming through this article that I found on NBC. Because of her eating disorder, it allowed her to lose so much weight and get frail, and she actually broke her vertebrae that held her out during the 2016 U.S. Olympic track and field trials in Eugene, Oregon. She talks about Um, how some of her friends really helped her get through that time. She ran a race. She she was featured on the On Ohm podcast where she really talks more about this disorder that she is in, or this eating disorder that she has, and how it really affected her during her time in college and how she doesn't really want people to look at her that way. So this article that I'm telling you all this about, and it talks more about Molly Seidel's eating disorder, it's on NBCSports.com. It's actually Olympics.NBCSports.com. And the title of the article is A U.S. Olympic Women's Marathon Team of Surprises and Unique Stories. So that's kind of where I'm basing some of this off of. So if you want to read more of it, you can go and check it out. But as I mentioned, it talks a lot about Molly Seidel and her battle with her eating disorder and how she let that affect her and how her friends helped her get through it. And she talked, they mentioned on there about how she was on the podcast, the Running On Own podcast, and how she looks back and hates seeing herself like that and doesn't want other females to look at those pictures and think the same way that she did. Talks about how she's had more recent 
obstacles back on July 4th in Atlanta. She ran a road race 10K and was on crutches afterwards because of it. And so they said that she just quoted in here in this article saying that my coach and I just had this crazy idea. We might try this and see how it went. And she qualified for the trials just back in December by a half marathon. So think about that. She qualified in December and had basically two months to prepare for her first full marathon. And now she is headed to the Olympics. That's pretty crazy. A remarkable story. A cool story. And I know she's still trying to battle with her eating disorder. But hopefully she can follow in Galen Rupp's footsteps and take her second marathon to the Olympics and get USA up there at least on the podium. If not, get her goal from fourth grade of winning a gold medal. Your third place finisher was Sally Kipiego, who finished in 228.52. She also makes her first, she will make her first marathon Olympics. Back in 2012, she ran for Kenya in the 10K. She moved here 15 years ago from Kenya on a college scholarship. She became a U.S. citizen in 2017, but she wasn't, her competition, or her representation for competition did not switch until August of this year, so she just became eligible to run for the USA. She's mentioned in this article on NBCSports.com about she always wanted to be an American, and it had little to do with running, but um, the offer to go to college and run uh, really helped her out. It says it took her over a year. She had a child, and it took her over a year to kind of recover. Talks about at the end, she mentions how she has struggled in her running career, but she's quoted as saying, today I was victorious. I was victorious because of where I came from. So she really mentions about how she got to America, what helped her in America, and what helped propel her to this third place finish and the Olympic team. So I mentioned Jared Ward on the men's side it was a massive surprise to not make the Olympic team, but that was only really a hint at what was going to happen with the women's team. Coming across in fourth place and just like 13 seconds behind was the favorite, or one of the favorites, I should say, and that was the 2018 Boston Marathon winner and current resident who just lives in the next town over, Desi Linden. She got to social media as well. I know going in, she was just getting over the flu. So I think that had a massive effect on her, whether she admits it or not. Having the flu right before a marathon, definitely going to mess with you a little bit. She made a hard charge. She was back 30 seconds, I believe, maybe even almost a minute behind of the leaders and to finish 13 seconds out. Not bad, I know it's devastating for her, she wanted to make the Olympic team, but she's doing something that's really never been done before. She was going to do the Olympic trials, wanted to make the Olympic team and run Boston. So it would've went Olympic trials, Boston, Olympics, but now she'll just have to focus on trying to repeat as a two-time champion in Boston which I would not be surprised. We'll talk about it when it gets closer in one of the coming podcasts. But I'd keep an eye on Desi Linden. I know that that's a lot on her plate that she had scheduled, but now that she's got one race to focus on, 
I'd count Desi not only as a favorite just because of what she's done there, but now that she's going to have her sets, her sights set on that one race, she could be a real factor and a real favorite and likely favorite to win that Boston Marathon. She took to social media, very short, so I'm going to read the whole thing, but she took to social media. Her social media is Desi underscore Linden on Instagram. Tried real hard today. Love that I could do this for a living. Thank you to Brooks Running for all the support. Thank you fans for all the cheers. And thank you for the competitors for pushing me to be my best. Definitely, you could tell she was upset. She didn't make the team, but she mentioned she was a little mentally weak at times. We'll get into it just here in a minute, but the course seemed to be pretty brutal. And she said that sometimes she just kind of checked out a little bit and wasn't as tough as she wanted to be. We'll see what she can do in Boston, and it's going to be a good storyline heading into that here coming in April. Coming across in fifth place was Laura Thweet, who finished in a time of 2.29.08, so she was five seconds behind Des, and she said that she just kind of gave a little congratulation. She can be followed on Instagram at lthweet, on, as, as I said, on Instagram. She talked about the leading ladies at first and how they just kind of congratulated them, but she said, as we rolled up and over every hill, grinding our way through each lap, testing ourselves and each other over every mile, our girl was ultimately same. To be the th first three across that finish line where the dream of becoming Olympians would turn to reality. I fought and fought and fought and then chased, chased, and chased that dream all the way through to the finish line crossing in fifth place. I'm not going to lie, this one is going to hurt for a while. But despite coming up short on my Olympic dream, I am proud of the race I ran. I risked it all because I wanted it. I wanted it so freaking bad. I tested myself yesterday over 26 miles in ways I haven't been able to since London. So a long post here by Laura Thweet, but you can kind of tell um, from all the women's reactions that the course was more brutal than they thought it was going to be. There was a pretty good gust of wind coming at them. The hills seemed pretty intense, and it, it seemed like a rough race, and I think it really showed on why we had such a surprising finish in the women's race, but Laura Thweet and Desi Linden were up front for quite a bit, helping lead the race, and they come across in fourth and fifth. Coming across in 7th was Emma Bates in a time of 2.29.35. Jordan Hase wearing a special uniform in honor of Kobe Bryant. Trying, and she made a post earlier in the week about trying to keep the Mamba mentality alive, honoring Kobe. She also took to Instagram. She finished in 26th place in a time of 2.37.57. She says, uh, and I like the way she started out her Instagram post. Her Instagram is Jordan Hase, plain and simple. She just, in parentheses, put finished will always be better than did not finish, which always triumphs did not start. And I think that's a really good mental outlook on the race. I know, as I mentioned, it was a tough race. You have some of the best competition in the United States that are racing against each other. And we talked about 510 qualifiers for this Olympic marathon. And you have, I mean, I'm counting right here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Then you add, that's not even counting the top three that finished in the marathon. So you have 10 girls that really battled it out hard. And 
Jordan didn't have the greatest of races, but she's also in that Galen Rupp category where she was with Alberto Salazar and she lost her coach just this last year. So she's trying to change her whole coaching philosophy and you know new training program and everything. So it's a lot to take on, especially trying to prepare for the marathon. She also said that she was honored and grateful to simply be on the starting line yesterday and have the opportunity to chase an Olympic spot. Took everything I had to get to the finish line. Congrats to the top three Olympians and everyone who completed yesterday. I think Jordan really sums up everything. A lot of the girls said the same thing, but I really, really like what Jordan had to say. It is an honor to be there. I know I've, I know I've said this already, but it is an honor to be there. And just to finish is an accomplishment. couple surprises coming out of... Even more surprising, Molly Huddle, Sarah Hall, and Emma Sisson all did not finish the Olympic qualifying race. I know Molly Huddle, Sarah Hall, Emma Sisson, all of them big names. Molly Huddle and Sarah Hall up there as one of the top contenders. They all, too, took to social media. Going to read through Molly Huddle's here. Simple, just like Jordan Hesse's. It's just Molly Huddle on Instagram. She mentions, but it's about what you can do on the day. That can mean you can walk away short or what you want. It also outlines every starting line with hopefulness. So I was in the middle of her post. I can You can go check it out more, but kind of what I think she's saying there is you, get, you can put in all the preparation, but when it comes down to it, you have to show up on that day and give it all you have. And not saying ever, that they didn't give it all they have, but you just got to be on on that day. And that's the tough thing about the United States Olympic marathon qualifying is it's one race to decide it's not a certain time like some other countries do it's that race and the best of the best going at it and it sounds like the olympic committee set up quite the marathon trial course and it it got the best of some of the best runners in our in the country molly huddle included sarah hall also took the instagram hers is sarah hall three says, for the last six months, I've done every crazy thing I could think of to prepare for the extreme course in Atlanta, but today it literally obliterated my legs. Nothing injured, I don't think, but my heart will be broken from this one for a while. I believe today would be the day, and yet, even with how many times this sport has broken my heart, I still love it, and I love the running community. Your love, support, and belief in me before and after the race had me in tears multiple times, and you all showed up on the course big time and that's what i talked about you know you can have the worst run one day but the next day it's just something about it that brings you back to it and keeps you running and if you're listening to this podcast most likely that's you too that you're gonna you love running and you love everything about running and sharing that experience of pain defeat or the ultimate payoff is what keeps us going and it's just something about running that keeps you going I don't know what it is. I haven't figured it out, but I don't know if it's the feeling or what it is, but it's just, it's awesome. And then our final one we're going to talk about, Emma Sisson. She also took to Instagram, one of the three runners, three bigger runners that did not finish. M underscore Sisson underscore on Instagram. She just wanted to say thank you for all the support, all the super kind messages. Today was rough for sure. Calling this course hilly is an understatement aerobically felt good body wise i felt the toll of the course i got dropped mile 20 tried to rally but knew at 21 i wouldn't have to implement ryan's plan b if things go south i've got to call it a day and at least give myself a chance to come back in the 10k on the track so there you go i'm sure you will see some of these qualifiers for the olympic qualifying race that didn't make it i'm sure we'll see some of them on the track i'm not going to say all of them but we'll see some 
as you saw there, Emma Sisson will also be will be one of those that we'll see on the track with the qualifying race for the Olympics in track and field as well. So the Olympic marathon for the women will be August 3rd and the men will be August 9th. That's scheduled and it's going to be located in Sapporo. I believe that's how you say it. It's 500 miles north of Tokyo, Japan. And they moved it north because the Olympic Committee is worried about the heat concerns in Tokyo. So they're moving it to the north. And once again, as we head into our cool down of the podcast, just going to run through the top three in the men and the top three in the women. So you know who made your Olympic qualifying team in the men. It was Galen Rupp taking the win in 209.20. Jacob Riley in second in 210.02. And Abdi Abdurrahman in 210.03. That that's your three men that will run on August 9th. Then your three women. Your winner was Elfine Tulumuk in 227.23. Molly Seidel in 227.31. She came across in second. And your third place qualifier is Sally Kepiego in 228.52. So there's your three girls that will be or three women that will be representing Team USA in the Olympics. So ideally, what the cooldown would be is if we can get some listener participation. This would be a question and answer session. Or the other thing that will be happening, other than the question and answer session, is I also want to give you guys some training tips. So part of that question and answer session, if anyone wants to message me about maybe some questions you have on training or something you want to talk about you can visit our two social media pages here that i have created for the podcast series we are at believe in the long run on instagram and then on twitter it is the long run five two pages for the podcast series so you can tweet us find us on instagram as well and Get in contact with us. Tell me what you think about the show and any questions you may have about training tips or anything you want to know about long-distance running. So the point of the cooldown will be if you have any questions, I'll answer those during this session. I'll recap kind of what happened as I did with your three qualifiers for the men and women. And then I want to give you some training tips that I personally want to add in to you as well. So my training tips here for episode number two of the Long Run podcast series is we're going to keep it simple this week just because we're starting out and as we go along we'll get into more advanced tips and of course like I said if you send me some questions you have I can maybe integrate some training tips into that as well or if you want some training tips on a certain distance that you may be running. We can do that as well, and I will do my best to answer those. If I do not know the answer, I will 100% find out an answer from you, whether through some coaches I know or research or whatever it will take. I will get you the answers no matter what. So my training tips for you this week are they're going to be really simple, but they are very key to your success no matter what distance you're running. Number one is stretch. Get a good stretch in, just like you know, as we mentioned in our warm-up, we kind of stretched our legs. I told you about myself before we got into the heat of the podcast and the most important information. Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Water, Gatorade, Powerade, body armor, whatever it is, make sure you 
keep fluids in you because you don't want to get dehydrated on your run. Your body's not going to like it as well. And this one, take easy days easy. If it's on your calendar, I know a lot of runners keep a schedule, keep a routine, whatever. If you're on a training plan, whatever it is, you always have easy days. And I know everyone's body reacts different, but no matter what, if you have an easy day, take it easier. That doesn't mean you have to run a way slower pace. Just ease off your normal pace just a little bit. you got to let your body recover. Otherwise, you're never going to achieve what you want to achieve in your workouts. You're supposed to go hard in your workouts, take it easier on your recovery in easy days. Well, it looks like it's time to go for my run, so that's going to end episode two of the Long Run Podcast series. And like I mentioned, if there's any comments or questions you may have about the podcasts or running, please feel free to reach out. And be sure to like and subscribe to to the Long Run series on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you guys and be on the lookout for episode number three coming next week. Thank you all for listening. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.